ESPN AM 710 Los Angeles. KDRC AM 1110 Pasadena, Los Angeles. K256CX 99.1 FM Pasadena. We are the voice of LA. Professional football in America is a special game. And yes, it is that time on your Saturday morning. Whatever you got, I need. All your football in one show. This is L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. Let's set this place on fire. We ain't going to do nothing fancy. We're going to play on fire. Whatever you got today, I got to have it. It's what you wanted. A show completely dedicated to football. Saturday on 710 ESPN from 9 to 11 a.m. Kirk Morrison is live and local and all over the Rams and the entire NFL. USC UCLA, the biggest high school football stories from across the Southland. And taking your calls all morning. This is LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. 710 ESPN. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Welcome back here. L.A. Grid Iron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN. The phone number, 877-710-3776. Always reach at me at Kirk Morrison on Twitter. But you don't want to hear about me anymore. We got to go straight to the guest line. My uh, my next guest, and I'm trying to figure out how do I describe him. He's not only a NorCal guy like myself, but we both found our way to SoCal, and we've kind of never left <laughs> Me in San Diego, he at the University of California, Los Angeles. That's right, UCLA, former NFL running back, but he's a current NFL analyst and also the uh, color analyst for all of your Rams games here on 17 ESPN. He is none other than Maurice Jones. Drew, what's up, Maurice? How are we doing today? Listen, man, I need you as my hype man. That that, that was great. I, I need that. I well, see you. I, I could have hyped it up even more because here at LA Gridiron Weekly, look, th- this is a show where you just come sit on the couch and we're going to talk football, Maurice. We're talking not just NFL. We're not just talking college. We're talking about how once upon a time, Maurice Jones-Drew flipped into the end zone versus Long Beach Poly in a high school football game. So we covered it all here on LA Gridiron Weekly. Hey, listen, man, I, I get it, man. I, I love it. Uh, I, first of all, I love that, that you got your own show. We talk strictly football. That is definitely needed in the in, in LA. Uh, it's needed all over the country, but especially here. Um, but listen, man, like you, when you when you told me about this, you said you could talk a little high school. It kind of touched me a little bit because you know I've coached high school and I've I've been on the seven on seven circuit and I've coached some some really good kids coming out of the Bay Area and I've coached against some really good kids as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this draft alone, I have Javon Holland, who I coached, who's at the University of Oregon. Yes, I coached against Devonte Smith who was on the Louisiana bootleggers who beat my team when we went to Georgia. Okay. Uh, I coached against uh, JC Horn, who was on another team in Atlanta that we coached to get like to see these young men as high schoolers. You really don't know who they are. You see the ability, you see the skill, right? But to see them take that to the next level of college and excel at that. And then now to have the potential to all be first round picks. It's like, man, like these dudes can go. And then on top of that, Najee Harris, who's from, my hometown, Antioch, California. Yeah, um, the Alabama running back. Alabama running back, <laughs> like he was a dog at in the in the eighth grade when I heard about him. He's still a dog throughout high school. And then he goes to Alabama, breaks all their records. So it's good to see all these kids that you kind of see from the bottom up uh, make it to where their their goals, and then you know be able to change their futures for a long time. 
You know what? That, that's, that's a great way to start, too, because obviously we're going to talk a little bit of Rams a little later. I'm going to talk just the NFL in general. But think back to when you were playing in high school or even Pop Warner. Cause I have seen if you haven't seen the Maurice Jones Drew Pop Warner tapes, they are electrifying. He looks the same <laughs> in terms of breakaway speed and just the, uh, the all around player that you were. But who are some of your influences? You know, you talked about a guy that you've been around as you're now a retired player. But who are some of your influences coming up in the ranks of uh, football? It's, it's so funny you say that, because when I tell people this, they don't believe me. Like I didn't watch football growing up. I never was like a big football fan. Right. I, I mean, the Raiders were there, but. I became a Raiders fan because everyone around me were Niners fans. So I wanted to be different. Right. And, and, and then on top of that, I just, I'm from the East Bay. I grew up in Richmond and Antioch. Oakland's right there. Like I could reach out and throw a rock from Richmond and hit Oakland. So you're supposed to be an Oakland Raiders fan uh, at that point, but I never really watched players until I got to like high school uh, and then about going to college. But as a kid growing up, I just love playing the game of football with my boys. Cause I was just actually telling someone this the other day, I grew up in a weird dynamic where like I didn't really have friends that were my age that lived around me. Everyone was either older than me or younger than me. So right. the friends that I got to hang out with were on football, right? So when football came around or baseball or track or whatever, those were the chances, the opportunities I got to hang out with kids that were my age. And so until I got to high school and, and, and so on and so forth. So I just enjoyed that time. And I love that the, the game that allowed me to kind of get out some anger and aggression and those type of things. When I got to high school, um, my grandpa was like, look, I need to start showing you tape of some dudes that are playing at a higher level. Cause I was a little, my sophomore year, I was a little uh, discouraged, right? I, I, I started the whole time. Okay. Never, never once backed up, get to the varsity as a sophomore. I'm, I don't even play. Right. So my grandpa was like, here, man, like, let's watch some tape of some guys. First guy he shows out was Barry Sanders. And I'm like, right, bro. Like, ah, like he's doing it at the highest <laughs> level. Like this. like, I don't know if I can get down like that. But it was like Napoleon Kaufman, who's at your alma mater in high school, played in the Raiders, uh, Ward Dunn, saw some of his tape. Like started, I started seeing guys that were my size that can go out there and play. And it kind of gave him the confidence to go out there and get back on the field. And then when I got to college, I get recruited by Eric Bieniemy, who literally is, yeah, you know, a couple pounds heavier than me now, but at the time we were the same size. And so yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm about to watch his tape, see how he did it. And he was a he was a man in, in, in college. So like a, a lot of those guys kind of shaped me into being the player that I am today. Bob Sanders was another one that I watched because yeah. I played defense. Um, but it was it was about like smaller guys, smaller stature guys still going out there and being great. And that's really the reason I went to UCLA was because I saw Eric Bieniemy. I know he played in the NFL. I didn't know he had a great like he had a really good career, nine years. You know, that's a long career to play in the NFL, especially back then when mm -hmm. there wasn't the player safety initiative and all the things that are going on now. Mm -hmm. But I knew that he could get me to that next level where I wanted to go. And so I saw him. Um, I really gravitated towards towards his style of play more towards the end of my career. Um, and it just kind of like those are the guys that kind of molded me. And you can see it in my game, a little bit of all of them that molded me into that. You can reach him uh, on Twitter or follow him on Twitter, I should say, at MJD on Twitter. Uh, that's where I want to start with you at, too. I mean, I kind of go along with you because you mentioned high school and you went to the legendary high school, De La Salle, Concord, California. Um, you never lost a high school football game. Like, just tell people, like, yeah, that just the, the, that was... the grind and just how much fun to literally go to every game you played in in high school and never had a losing feeling. Well, it's it's weird because like in Pop Warner, we were we were a really good team and there was a couple years we didn't lose and there was a couple years we lost once or twice. 
when I, and I thought I knew how to work hard. I, knew, I thought I knew what hard work was when I went there. Um, but when I got to De La Salle, it was a different type of work because you go from being the hunter and Pop Warner, like, oh, we're going to play this team. We're, we're going to hunt and we're going to go get them to De La Salle. Everyone, that's, you're on everyone's schedule. When, you, when they put you on that schedule, you are everyone's top. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going to beat you. So we had to work. You had to work as if you're the hunted, right? Like, so you got to be, you got to be like pushing yourself past your limit. And it really, like my freshman year, I was on a, I was on JVs. They sent me down to freshman. We had a really talented team, won a bunch of games, won all the games, won by a lot. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, my sophomore year is when I learned how to work hard though. And that was the summer I went to varsity and I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was pushing myself, but then when I would get tired, I would stop, right? Or I, I need to go get water. Or I'd have an asthma attack or not like, and them dudes were like, bro, get out the way then. Cause that's not how we do it here. Like either you start and you finish this and you get water breaks when we get water breaks, or you need to go back down to JVs. And I was like, what? Like, so the first week and a half, I threw up every day. <laughs> like I'm talking about exhausted. Uh-huh. Right. But eventually I, I, I became accustomed to their, their, their work uh, ethic. Uh, I think it was probably like the end of my sophomore season. I kind of got used to what they, how they were working. And then going into my junior year, I was already, I, I knew what to expect. So now I can go out there and go to work. And it just, that kind of was, became my motto. Like, look, you're not going to outwork me. I don't care how, like, you think you're better than me or you may be whatever. The difference between me and you is I'm going to work 10 times harder. Right. And that became the mindset because you have to work as if you're the hunted at De La. So yeah, we didn't lose any games, but it was probably the hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. I know we're going to get to some NFL talk in a little bit, but I just love the journey uh, that you took. I'm talking to Maurice Jones, Drew Rams, color analyst. Also, you can see him on the NFL network all across the board on his shows. I don't know how many podcasts you got right now, by the way. I know you're on about four or five. Yeah, I, I, I do one with my dog, Dan Helly. Yeah. Um, that's called the Helly Pod with MJD. Then I'll probably pop on the fantasy podcast. I kind of try to spread it out. You, the more you can do, it's like the NFL, right? Yeah. <laughs> the more you can do, the longer you last. So try to just do as much as I can. You're right about that. But this is L.A. Gridiron Weekly, and a lot of people do remember you in Los Angeles as a UCLA Bruin. And you mentioned you went to UCLA partly because of Eric Bieniemy, who was then the uh, running backs coach. But just tell me about your time in, in Westwood. Yeah, you know, it was – I remember, like uh, – so I, at first I went to my visit to Colorado. It was freezing, bro. It was like 14 degrees, snow on the ground. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I could do this, right? Like, I don't know if I got this in me. Um but then I went to SC or no, I went to I went to Oregon. It rained the whole time, went to SC, fell in love with it. But at SC, they were like, bro, we want you to play both ways. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, wow. I don't see too many dudes in college playing both ways. They like, we think you could but Pete told me this to my face. Pete I think you could be starting running back and a starting safety. I was like, how does that happen? How does that work? Like, <laughs> this is this is like, you know, I got to pick a side. Right. Right. So I was a little skeptical, but I had a great time at SC. Like, like me and Pete had like a couple one-on-one talks. Like it was everything. And then when I went to UCLA, like I, the next week I go to UCLA and I'm in Bel Air, right? I see Bel Air. I see, I'm thinking Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm thinking, I'm seeing <laughs> like Maurice Green pulls up in his car. He's at the track running Venus and the Serena are practicing at the, t- all this is on my trip. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, what is all this? Like there's money out here. It's, it's, it's famous people. Like, this is where all the greats work. And then they tell me like, oh yeah, Kobe and all them come hooping the men's gym. And I'm like, oh, this is where I'm going. Cause to me, like, if you want to be great, you got to surround yourself with greatness, right? You like, yeah. you're the sum of the five people you hang around. Right. And to me, it's like, if I can just rub elbows and get to a little touch of them, like that'll help me out. So Eric B all that goes on. I commit to UCLA 
And when I got there, um, it was just wasn't the the work ethic wasn't what I was used to. You know what I'm saying? And there's a you, there's a certain way of hierarchy in college, like the seniors are here and freshmen are here and you just got to work your way up type of thing. But I remember my freshman year, we went we won. We were six and one and we lost six straight. Wow. And I remember Carl Durrell telling us, like, we aren't Bruins. Like, we got to take that thing off. We're not competing. And I agreed with them because we weren't competing. We were just giving up out there, right? And so uh, a lot of guys were upset about what Carl had said. Um, I, I secretly, like, was like, you're right. Like, we got to find a way to figure this out. I hate losing. I'd never lost before. I lost my first game in college. And then we rolled off six straight. Then I lost, we lost six. So I remember that offseason um, – I got into it with a couple guys after one of the all season workouts where we were running, we were running like uh, hundreds. We were running like 40 hundreds, bro. It was, it was insane. It was the old, the old college workouts. Right. And the guys, their seniors were walking on the sideline and they were telling us to get our hands off our knees. But I'm like, bro, like, like we're tired. You know what I'm saying? We're working. And, and at De La Salle, if you're not working out with us, you shut up. Like, that's what I told you. Like, that's what they did to me as a sophomore. Like, if you can't do this workout with us, you don't get to talk. You work yourself back to doing the workouts, and then you can start talking. So they just kept barking at me and one of my boys, and uh, I wasn't on my knees, but my boy, he was 330 pounds. He literally played offensive guard for us and D-tackle in multiple games, like started at guard and then went in on third downs on D-tackle and rushed the passer for us at the time. He's a freshman. So uh, he puts his arm. I was like, look, bro, lean on me so they don't say nothing to you, but we're going – like today's the last day of this. We're not having this. So uh, we get there, and – the, the practice is over, the workout's over, and we get in the locker room, and we, like, you know, we almost knuckle up because I'm like, dude, like, I don't appreciate you talking to guys that are out here working. And at that point, it's kind of when I was like, look, you know, we have to decide as a team if we want to be great or not, period, point blank, right? Um, and I told him, I'm like, look, guys are showing up late. Guys aren't giving it 110%. Guys are coming in here smelling like weed. Like, we got all this other guys are coming in drunk. Like, look, you could party and have do all the stuff you want to do, but when it's time to work, we need to work period. Right. And so um, we have some guy, like a lot of guys bought into it. Some didn't um, needless to say, there were some activities to make those other guys buy in um, and the next year. We go seven and six, but it was different though. Like we played some good games and we won, but that work ethic that we kind of like started that, that off season carried on to the next year, we went 10 and two. Right. And so to me, it was like, as a team, we decided at that moment to go out there and go. Now, that's the football side of it. The other side, it was awesome. Like, it was, the, yeah. it was awesome. Like, I'm on the beach all the time. Yeah. Like, we were going to parties in Hollywood. And, <laughs> you know, like, we, it was awesome. It was fun. Like, you're meeting superstars. Like, some of the guys are working security for the Grammys. And, like, like oh, we yeah. had a good time. We enjoyed it. <laughs> but I went there for school and football, right? I went there to learn how to be a professional because on that staff when I first got there, Kyle Shanahan was there. Eric Bieniemy, John Embry, Tom Cable, right? Dino Babers, who is yeah. the head coach at Syracuse. Like, wow, we had we had a Our squad. Had, yeah. Ryan Snyder, who's a special teams coach in Seattle. Like, mm-hmm. we had a, some great coaches who coached us and taught us how to be great players. And so, I was like, when when it's time, there's 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 a time and place for everything. And I think that's when I learned time management. Like, when I'm in the gym or I'm working out in the weight room, that's what we're doing. I'm on the practice. That's what I'm doing. When I'm in the classroom, I'm focused solely on that. When I'm not doing any of that stuff, I'm gonna go hit it. I'm gonna go have some fun, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but to me, it was it was it, it became like UCLA is where I really like 
blossomed into the the person and the player that I was as a, as a, as an NFL player. Like it, it really opened my eyes to what it took to be great at the next level. Oh man, <laughs> love the stories, Maurice. Man, just a couple more minutes here with Maurice Jones, Drew Rams color analyst, NFL Network analyst, and former UCLA Bruin. And uh, I'll leave you with this because I know we're gonna get into some football talk later on down the road. Look, we're a couple weeks, uh, less than a couple weeks away, I should say, from the NFL draft. Um, really quickly, Maurice, what do you expect from this NFL draft? And I just just nationally, we'll get into some Rams talk later on when I have you back on. But yeah, I just think for you covering nationally, really quickly. <laughs> What do you expect from this draft coming up? Well, this listen, this is a great draft. I think the receiver class is deep as they come. Uh, I think the offensive line class, deep as they come. Pass rushers, you can get them all over the board. Yeah. Corners or corners and safeties are very deep as well. Like this is a really deep draft. I think the running back draft is a little top heavy. You got to try maybe the fourth round is kind of where you're going to get a cutoff as I'm scouting guys. There are a couple of sleepers in there that I like. Um Linebackers, I think you got some great linebackers, yes, guys with speed yes. who can run. Absolutely. Like, so it's it's a very deep draft. And and for teams that need, which like I would say the only team that doesn't really need draft picks are, are the Buccaneers because they, they brought all 22 guys back. Right. But if you're looking to like fix a, a position or a unit, this is a great draft to do it in. Right? Like the Rams, they need a they need a low, they need a center. They need an offensive lineman. Guess what? It's a great right. draft for that. It's a it's a phenomenal draft for that. Um if you're if you're looking for secondary or linebacker help, phenomenal draft for that. Like this is just because of the COVID twenty, uh, the COVID and the coronavirus and all that. Yeah. Um, the players having players opt out, having players like be able to leave and still have a year and all this other stuff. It just made this is a deep, deep draft. So don't be surprised if you see like a, a famous college guy go in the fifth, sixth round and still be a dog. Right. It's just because it's just so deep that you can kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Oh, man, I, I can't wait for the draft, Maurice. I know you can't wait, and I can't wait to have you back on the show. So we got to do this after the draft. We can, you know, let let the days go by a little bit, and we can really dive deep into not only this draft, some of the offseason moves for the Rams, even looking over at the Chargers, what they did, and then we're both former Raiders, too, so we always keep an eye on them. So we definitely got to have you back on to talk some Raiders as well, man. But I have to ask you, is the Chargers, are they like Rams south now? Because they just they took the D.C. and they got everybody – yeah, you know, that, that's that's the discussion, man. That's that's what people are possibly thinking. We're going to get into Brandon Staley being the head coach uh, of the Los Angeles Chargers, leaving the Rams. So it's a lot to get into still. Uh, not enough time in a day to catch up with Maurice Jones-Drew, but I'm always excited to uh, listen to you talk and hear those stories. And I can't wait to have you back on, Maurice. Appreciate the time. No problem, bro. <laughs> that's Maurice Jones, Drew Rams color analyst. You can catch him on the NFL network at MJD on Twitter, as well as a former UCLA Bruin, man. We'll dive into more of what Maurice said, and we'll get back to maybe some of your phone calls and also tweet at me at Kirk Morrison on Twitter right here on 710 ESPN on LA Gridiron Weekly. You're listening to LA Gridiron Weekly. It's what you wanted. A show completely dedicated to football. Every Saturday on 710 ESPN from 9 to 11 a.m. Let's get going, baby. Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. Welcome back in to LA Gridiron Weekly again. I'm your host, Kirk Morrison. Again, love just loving today's show so far, man. We had some great guests so far. Lindsay Theory, 
again, special thanks to my guy, Maurice Jones-Drew. He just joined us as well. Man, always good to catch up with him. Me and him could talk forever. I promise you, we can talk um, on and on. We didn't even get to, you know, work that he does in fantasy football. Um, that, you know, he's got like three or four fantasy leagues that he plays in during the regular season. So, so much to get caught up with him. And we'll talk to him probably later on down the road. But thanks again to MJD. Still coming up at 1030 and about 15 minutes from now, my guy Gilbert Manzano. He's the OC Registers beat reporter for the Los Angeles Chargers. That's right, Los Angeles Chargers. I uh, can't wait to hear what he's got to say because I know he's got some good stuff. He's been uh, tweeting a, a bunch over the last couple of weeks just – you know, where the Chargers are headed. So we're definitely going to get into uh, some talk with Gilbert in just a little bit. But uh, I wanted to talk about this segment because it's some NFL news. And I think it pertains to Los Angeles. Um, it pertains to um, but not only the Rams and the Chargers. It's newsworthy for me, especially because I honestly feel like people – kind of need to know this so you can kind of understand what's been going on back and forth. Uh, we've been seeing it throughout the NFL this week, but basically you've had teams, I believe right now so far, you've had the Denver Broncos have said uh, they've spoken up about it. Um, you've had uh, other teams like the Chicago bears have spoken up about it. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, a lot of teams are now speaking up about off season workouts. Yeah, you heard it off season workouts. Because remember last year, 2020, because of the pandemic, that everything was virtual in the offseason. Everything was virtual. So guys did not have to come in, did not have to come to the facilities, did not have to work out there. They didn't have anything to do with the team in terms of having to be there or check-ins or mini camps. They just all, everyone remember, showed up to training camp. And at training camp, you had the testing protocols and all that stuff going on. So, yeah, it, it was, you know, the NFL season ended up happening. Now, remember, there was no preseason. And yet we still were able to get in 256 games in the regular season. We had the playoffs. We had the Super Bowl. So, first of all, job well done to the NFL. Congrats to everyone that made it through. But you fast forward to where we are now. And I am torn, everybody out there. I'm torn. I'm torn because I came in in an era of the National Football League in 2005. So that was two CBAs ago. (laughs) But I came in in an era where the offseason program was something that was just part of life. It was part of the NFL. It was football season. When season was over, you had a month, two months, two and a half, just depending on how your team finished. And then you will report to off-season workouts. Now, you would train four days a week with the team, but you're around the facility. You start to start, you know, dissect doing work uh, for next year. Okay, that's the way the NFL was. And it was like that pre-CBA, uh, this last CBA, last year, and or pre-pandemic, I should say. But now with teams and NFL players, currently active players, are saying now they don't want to show up to off-season workouts. And I get it because of the health risk. I get it. We're still living in a pan- living in a pandemic. So I get it. I understand. I'm all for that. But also, if there's a choice to be made, do I go to my facility for off-season workouts or do I stay at home and do my own workouts? There's two sides to me here. The analyst side is saying, you know what? Guys can do what they do. 
it's called involuntary workouts. So it's involuntary. You don't have to show up. It's not mandatory. It's involuntary. Only thing you got to show up to is the mandatory mini camp. That's it. But I don't want to sound like I'm the old geezer, but hey, we always called it voluntary mandatory, right? These workouts are, excuse me, if I say involuntary earlier, I'm going to say voluntary. These are voluntary. You volunteer. So these are voluntary workouts, I should say. I misspoke earlier. But voluntary workouts. So we used to call them voluntary mandatory. <laughs> voluntary mandatory workouts. Yes, this is what they were. You, you don't have to be here, but if you want to make this team, you probably better be there. And I would say throughout my career, I enjoy the off-season workouts. And this is where my player hat comes in. Because I'm not against the guys. I'm not against the current players and what they decide to do. I'm just going to speak for me as a former player. I'm going to speak for me as if I was in the NFL right now currently. I understand that there's a risk. There's a high degree of safety that you have to take. But I also know that the NFL does stand for not for long. And I'm going to find every way that I can get 1% better each day. And if that means staying in the, at my facility and working out and making sure the protocols that are in place to allow me to feel safe, I'm going to be there. The one thing that I do, I know this, and maybe you all can help me out there who are listening today here on LA Gridiron Weekly. For those who have kids, those who have brothers, sisters, mom, aunts, uncles, whatever it may be, family, friends, it, does, it doesn't matter. I know this. We all learn differently. We all take in information differently. I say that because I used off-season workouts as a way not only to have sort of in-person learning because you're going over football stuff. You had time to meet with a coach. You go over things on the board. You meet the new guys who are on the team that's going to play a position similar to you or your position, and you're working out together, or you got a group of guys all getting on the same page. Virtual stuff is good, but being in person was so much better. Going over real-life situations on the football field was so much better. I can remember countless times myself being out on the football field in the offseason, things that would come up during the regular season. I remember in a game once, <laughs> defensive coordinator says, hey, we're going to run this pressure. We're going to run this blitz. I said, okay, well, you know, if they give us this formation, coach, you know, we may have to switch it. He says, yeah, you know what? We may have to switch it. He's like, do you think the guys can pick it up? I said, you know what? I remember we did this back in the offseason, and we picked it up. And he said, you're right, we did. That, that, would, not been, that, would, that would have not been available had we not had offseason workouts. So I just know what they mean, offseason workouts. Yes, guys want to be at home with their families. I get it. Guys want to be at home and, and do their own workouts. I totally get it. I just know for a player like myself, I needed the offseason workouts. And so we'll see what happens with the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, especially the Rams. If the, you think the Rams want to see Matthew Stafford working out somewhere else? No. They traded a lot for Matthew Stafford. And they're hoping to get him this offseason to get a jump start, to get a head start on hopefully all the playbook, but to get him ingrained 
and working out with his wide receivers, working out with the running backs, working out with his offensive group, Sean McVay talking with Matthew Stafford on the daily, right? Going into the meeting rooms and going over film. There's just some players who understand the risk, but saying that the reward really outweighs the risk. So I hope that NFL players find a solution. I hope that they find a way to get out there to these off-season workouts. Uh, I hope that they find a way to be safe throughout this whole process, but understand that everybody can, I guess, understand why. Because there's going to be some new players who get drafted. And it's a lot easier for a veteran to come right in and play in training camp. It's a lot more difficult for a rookie to come right in and have to learn a whole new language, new playbook, new scheme, all of that. So if you kind of understand, let me know. If I can further explain it even more, let me know your thoughts on that. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Remember, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, my Twitter handle, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Remember, the hashtag, L-A-G-W. Well, I know a guy who probably wants to get into the offseason quick as possible, offseason workouts, probably the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, the offensive rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. Yeah, you think he wants to get started, get on that same page with Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi, his new offensive coordinator? Yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. I know they're chomping at the bit to get started, but I know somebody who's got the inside on what's going on in Charger land. Can't wait to talk to him. Gilbert Manzano, he's the beat reporter for the OC Register for the Los Angeles Chargers. He'll be joining LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison coming up next. It's what you wanted. A show completely dedicated to football. This is LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison on 710 ESPN. All over the Rams and the NFL, USC, UCLA, the high school football scene. Kirk knows it all and is ready to bring it to you each Saturday morning. You're listening to LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. Yeah, welcome back in LA Gridiron Weekly. Oh, man, I'm excited about our next guest, um, guy who covers the Chargers. And we don't get enough to – we don't get enough Chargers talk. I do want to hear about what's going on with the Chargers. They play in SoFi just like everybody else does, right? So we definitely got to give them uh, their time as well. But a guy who I've been following does a great job in covering the Chargers. He's Garrett Manzano, the Chargers beat reporter for the OG, OC Register the LA Daily News, SoCal News Group. You can follow him on Twitter at gmanzano24. And uh, Gilbert, man, first of all, thanks for joining the show. Um, when we talk about, um, I, I would say, just LA football in general, um, where is the Chargers at right now currently? Yeah, that's a good question, Kirk. I get that question all the time. But I, I think it's been better since uh, the last couple of years. As you know, they got a new shiny franchise quarterback named Justin Herbert. So that's going to help out <laughs> right. a lot, especially when they're selling tickets at that new stadium, uh, SoFi Stadium there, you know, which it's not just the Rams. It's the Chargers playing there as well. So I think when it comes to like attention in L.A., I think the Chargers are doing well. Before, it's more like they have nice, cool jerseys. They have a nice social media team. <laughs> now, okay, they got they got a guy, a quarterback who could play. It could be a star in the in the NFL. So when you get the star quarterback at Justin Herbert, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to knock Phillip Rivers. He was a star as well, but he was more like the San Diego star. I think L.A. wants his own new shiny quarterback, and that's Justin Herbert. When you got the quarterback, I think the, the rest comes as well. Oh, man, let's start right there then, Gilbert. Honestly, because you mentioned it, 
Justin Herbert, last year's number was six pick overall last year for the Chargers. And remember, think about this time last year, Gilbert. You remember this? It was, I don't know if Justin Herbert truly is a franchise quarterback. I know you tweeted about it as well because he had this reserved demeanor about him. He wasn't the most boastful guy. He wasn't an in-your-face guy, but he was a true competitor. You watched him throughout his rookie year, Gilbert. What did you see from Justin Herbert? What did you see that proved to you that, you know what, the Chargers got it right in getting a franchise quarterback? Yeah, first of all, I think this whole thing about being quiet and reserved is a, is a silly notion when it comes to scouting. If you could throw the ball like he does, you know, 60 yards down the field and a touchdown, you're that accurate. And that's smart when it comes to reading defenses. I don't know why that was a big notion for right. the Chargers. I think that was a big deal why he fell as a third quarterback in the draft behind Joe Burrow and Tua. So it became the Chargers game. But covering him the, his rookie year, yeah, he is quiet. He's a little shy. But maybe that could be just with the media, with myself, reporters. I'm a stranger to the guy, so I get it. It's, it's a little hard to kind of be yourself about with around new new people, especially in, in LA. And LA is a different market. I get that as well. But if you got those guys in the locker room, as you know, Kirk. You know, you got that 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 respect, the the leadership. You come, you command the huddle uh, like a true leader, which I think Justin Herbert did. Everything else came into place. Uh, as I mentioned, the skills are there. But he was a little shy, and and, and I wrote a story about it uh, uh, last year just to kind of get to know him as a person. Right. Talk to his, his dad, uh, professors at Oregon, you know, former teammates, current team. Just like, who is Justin Herbert? And, you know, and before I started doing these interviews, I just told myself, how about I just ask the guy myself, hey, Justin, <laughs> Justin are, you, are you, will you consider yourself shy? Are you reserved? Are you an introvert? He just told me, I think that's wrong. If you will ask any of my teammates, any of my friends, they will tell you differently. So after I got that response, okay, I'm going to write this story differently. He told me himself, he doesn't, you know, consider himself an introvert okay now let me ask the other people to kind of vouch for him and came back yeah this guy's a jokester he's funny you're kind of seeing that a little more but once he got that stuff out the way the whole introvert stuff and, and being shy you saw it on the field at week two against the chiefs kc balled out never stopped from there didn't look back rookie of the year mm, he's the pride of uh, cal state northridge he's gilbert manzano chargers beat reporter for the oc register la daily news um and, and look here, Gilbert, I, I think a lot of people right now will look at the Los Angeles Chargers and say they liked what the Rams were doing so much so that they stole the Rams defensive coordinator and said, you know what? You come be our head coach. Brandon Staley, now the new head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. How shocked were you when they hired um, Brandon Staley? Was he ever kind of mentioned to be a possible candidate you know, to replace Anthony Lynn? You know, I think it was a little bit of a surprise, but the Chargers kind of took their time with this hiring process, and as they should. You know, it's always weird when when a team has a a guy ready and place to go. I, I like when teams take their time, you know, interview everybody. And I think for the Chargers, I think it's about eight or nine names, and kind of gave everybody a fair shot. They went into this process, you know, open minded about you know who could lead the Chargers, and and I think it was a shock because, as you mentioned, he came from a defensive background with the Rams. And I keep talking about Justin Herbert. When you got a, a young quarterback, you always want the next quarterback guru, guru, you know, you know, quarterback whisperer could, could create plays like you know Sean McVay. So that came as a surprise. And and I think when I started doing my research for the candidates, and I, and it, can we, we got about eight or nine names, and I started you know looking at all of them. Brandon Staley really stood out to me. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I really like this guy's resume. Uh, I like how he 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 interacts with coaches and players. They all respond to him. You get the feedback from Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, stars like that who are vouching for you. 
that goes a long way. And then you see that he, he turned them in, in one season. He turned the Rams into the best defense in the NFL. He works on the fly and, and with no offseason and a pandemic. He made that all work. So he starts checking all the boxes. The only one he doesn't really have is he doesn't have experience on, on offensive side in the NFL. So I start looking a little deeper. He's a former quarterback in, in, in college. And they did in another school. I think it's Mercyhurst. Yeah, that's the school uh, for, for, for uh, Staley. So he has a quarterback background. Uh, you know, he's very close to guys like Joe Lombardi. He, he, he knows people around the NFL. So to me, it just started making a whole lot of sense. But then you start hearing the, the whispers from the national reporters saying, it's Brian Dable, the Bills OC. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of kick myself. I started shifting that way myself. Like all the talk is Brian Dable. Yeah, I did yeah, too. So I like, thought oh, it was okay. his job. <laughs> it, fine, it's Brian Dable's job. I'm gonna start right. doing my research on him. And then I think it was like a Sunday night out of nowhere, surprise. Nowhere, yeah. Yeah, Brandon Staley got hired as the head coach of the Chargers, and I was all on board with that hire and just getting to know the guy. And in recent interviews, I think it's been about four or five of them. He likes to talk, but I appreciate it because he's very detailed, very honest. He's not afraid to show you scheme, you know, some some plays here and there. I know a lot of coaches are kind of reserved or, you know, I asked him the other day, like, hey, you need a left tackle. What's the deal there? He was honest. There's a hole there. We don't have a starter there. Yeah. You might get one in the draft. And I love the honesty there. You know what? People aren't aren't honest enough. Right? Coaches, just tell us what you know, because we already know what you need. Right. <laughs> I can't. You know what? Oh, man. Um, at. G Manzano on Twitter. I mean, at G Manzano 24 on Twitter. He's Gilbert Manzano, Chargers beat reporter, joining us here on LA Gridiron Weekly. And so I'm kind of torn torn here, Gilbert. You know why? I'm torn because you mentioned it. Brandon Staley, defensive-minded head coach, but he does have sort of an offensive background. But he and Tom Telesco are going to have a decision to make at pick number 13. And I'm sitting here saying, defensive-minded coach, but he's doing, he does have an offensive background. But where do the Chargers go at 13? Do they go offense? Do they go defense? Yeah, you know, Brandon Staley was honest in that press conference saying they need a left tackle. As right. Well, obviously, that's the offensive side. But he kept repeating himself, you've got to have cornerbacks in this league. you got to have a bunch of corners to defend Patrick Mahomes twice a year in the AFC West. So I'm not too sure where they're going, offense or defense. And it's it's kind of uh, tough to tell with Brandon Staley because he's a brand-new coach. First year, you don't really know, you know what he's looking for how, or even how much say he has in that war room for the draft because it is Tom Telesco running that show. He's, he's going into his ninth season now with the Chargers. He, you know, he has a final say there. But I think Tom Telesco likes a collective, collective group thinking. He's going to probably lean on Staley saying, hey, what do you want in this scheme for defense? And, you know, also talk to Joe Lombardi, the OC for the Chargers, and, and Bradley himself. Bradley's not going to be just, a, you know, handle the defense. You do what you got to do on offense, Joe. I think it's going to be all over the place, special teams, defense, offense, uh, kicking game, all that. So I think Bradley's going to be heavily involved. So I, I, I think for the Chargers, maybe they do, they do want a cornerback or a left tackle. It just kind of comes down to what's going to happen at number 13 because when I'm doing these, uh, you know, these mock drafts or, or making draft boards, the guys that I feel like are right for the Chargers are taken by the time they're on the clock at number 13. I like J.C. Horn. I like Rashawn Slater. I like Panay Sewell. Uh, I like Patrick Sertan. Those guys might be gone by the time they're on the clock at 13. So it's going to get very tricky for the Chargers. And, and maybe at that point, you go best player available. It could be offense or defense. But, yes, you have a need at cornerback and left tackle but don't reach at 13. But say, hey, you, you want a guy uh, to kind of build on your offensive line like Elijah Vera Tucker, maybe yeah. trade down a couple spots and you get a solid guard who goes to play a left tackle, get an extra uh, draft pick. I say do that. 
Yeah, I think that they're in a prime position, uh, like you mentioned, to just get a good football player. You know, they're, they're not in need of a quarterback. They got that last year. And so when you have that quarterback in position, you're available just to get somebody who can help out the football team. And you wrote a great piece uh, in the OC Register as well, just kind of looking at all the different guys, the 20 possible picks that the Chargers may have at pick number 13. I also want to note, too, They've got nine picks in this draft. So they've got a lot of draft capital, especially in that third round when they've got a couple of draft picks. But I, I, I think I got something I'm going uh, to stump you with here. You ready? Um, <laughs> I'm ready. I think the, I guess, the, uh, the matchup or the competition that I want to see most for the Chargers is actually the backup quarterback spot. I want to see can Easton Stick beat out Chase Daniel, long Chase Chase Daniel, long time, we know uh, NFL backup quarterback Easton Stick actually was the best quarterback before Carson Wentz to come out of North Dakota State. So you know you you've got some uh, some some to me some storylines going in there. I just thought I would la- make you laugh a little bit, but it's something I do want to see when the Chargers get uh, finally get to camp. Kirk, you got me thinking about training camp and all my <laughs> summer stories, and that's yeah. gonna be one of them. The the, the you know those hot uh, you know roster battle before cut down days and topics. Yeah. It's always like a backup quarterback number three spot or number two or even sometimes even number four. You, you know who's gonna be on the roster, and the, I think for sure those guys are safe. I think Chase Daniel and Easton Stick or will be safe, but who's gonna be the backup to Justin Herbert is, is, is a grand question as you presented, Kirk. And I think when Chase Daniel got signed to with the Chargers, he agreed to a one year deal many assume that he's going to be the backup because he has experience. He's been in the right. game for a long time. He knows Joe Lombardi's uh, system from the days with the Saints. Same, and then some yeah. people were saying, oh, he's just here to, to be a mentor to help out Justin Herbert and, and maybe kind of teach him because the, the scheme is a little complicated. And, and, and maybe it's a little bit of both, but I think it's going to be a true competition at number two. The thing with Easton Stick, he doesn't have a lot of playing experience. And right. you know, we're, we're, the first three is playing behind Phillip Rivers, who never misses a snap. That's impossible to get on the field to begin with. And then you get Justin Herbert the next year, and he's a star himself. So for Easton, he's never really kind of shown his game. But, Kirk, I'll tell you kind of a, a crazy story with Easton Stick. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, first of all, he missed out on the preseason because when he's on the field in game situations, he makes a lot of plays with his legs. That's when he really kind of shines. You can't really do that in, in, a, in a practice, you know, running and all that. Right. You want to be safe. But I'll tell you the story about Easton Stick. Uh, a year ago in training camp, when everything was kind of private and cut off from, from, you know, from fans at training camp, and they let a few reporters in. I got into the training camp with the Chargers. So I got to watch Justin Herbert up close and personal, and nobody's really around to see it. So I felt like I was very exclusive. Right. But there, there was a scrimmage there, and it was Tyrod Taylor, Easton Stick, Justin Herbert, and they were taking turns, taking snaps against the first-team defense. You know, Melvin Ingram, Joy Bosa, Derwin James was still healthy. So it was pretty fun to watch. And the best quarterback that day was Easton Stick. He was kind of killing the Chargers defense with his legs, very athletic, very mobile, play-action passes. You, 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 you could see all of it from wow. Easton Stick. And at the time, Justin Herbert was kind of struggling because, you know, he's a brand-new quarterback trying to learn this, the, the system, the scheme, right. his receivers. So he was still in the learning phase. Easton was comfortable in year two for him. And I think because Tyra still was a starter at the time, they didn't give him too many snaps. But Easton got a bulk of that training camp uh, scrimmage, and he was a star of that show that day. Yeah. Well, that's what I see. I'm helping you out here. I'm helping you out with stories for the summer because we know those dog days of the summer before training camp, they can get uh, they can get ugly for journalists. So, uh, yeah, man, just uh, one more question before I go. You mentioned the name Derwin James. Um, any update for 
like Charger fans, NFL fans, just because when we think about stars in LA, you met Jalen Ramsey with the Rams, Aaron Donald with the Rams. Uh, obviously, now you got Matthew Stafford coming over. When do you think Chargers? It's obviously Joey Bosa, Justin Herbert. But Derwin James is supposed to be that next star in L.A. I know he's been injured. What's kind of an update on him? Yeah, last time I spoke to Derwin James was after the season in January, and he told me back then that he'll be ready within a month. So that was like in February, March. And I keep going to his Instagram Instagram story. You know, that's where it's happening <laughs> nowadays. Everybody's posting there. Right. And he looks like the same Derwin James, number 33, you know, with, you know, very athletic. He's like jumping on all these boxes. He has 20 of them or whatever, you know, doing uh, squats and all that. So and, and, and just running fast. So just by looking at those videos, it seems like Derwin James uh, is, is back and ready to play for Brandon Staley's uh, defense. But you, you mentioned the injuries. It, it, it kind of, you know, you know, I'm a reporter first, but as a football fan, I miss watching, you know, Derwin James right. on the field because he's so athletic. He could do everything. And, and, and that rookie year, all pro season feels like a long time ago in 2018. He was playing pass rusher, linebacker, uh, safety. He was doing it all. He all could right. probably play a receiver if he wanted to. But he was so athletic out there that I hope for the hopefully for the Chargers sake, he's back. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this. I don't think anybody in the Chargers front office or coaches have, has, you know, kind of lost confidence in Derwin James. Yeah, he hasn't played in two years, maybe five games in, in 2019. Right. But they all see him as a cornerstone piece, a blue chip guy, uh, an all-star or a pro bowler. So nobody's losing confidence in Derwin James. And, and, and to be out for two years and still have that, you know, you're doing something right and, and, and behind closed doors. I'm going to leave you with this one because this is uh, something the Rams don't have to worry about is a fifth-year option for a player. They never have first-round picks, so they never have to worry about that. But yes or no, does Derwin James get the fifth-year option from the Chargers? Yes, that's a for sure yes. And Tom Telesco already said it. And, and Tom Telesco is one of the most reserved GMs out there. He's very secretive. When it came to ask, ask us asking about Derwin James' fifth-year option back in January, he said absolutely. No. Mm. There it is. There it is. Well, Gilbert Manzano, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the time. Getting us caught up on some Chargers. And look, we'll be able to to dissect what they did in the draft. Their first-round pick at number 13 and the rest of the eight other picks that they have, nine total in this draft, man. Gilbert, uh, pleasure to have you on. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Sounds good, Kirk. Thank you for the time. Appreciate you. Yeah, that's Gilbert Manzano, the Chargers beat writer for the OC Register, LA Daily News. You can reach him on Twitter at gmanzano24, at G-M-A-N-Z-A-N-O 24 on Twitter. We'll just dissect what Gilbert had to say coming right back here on 710 ESPN, L.A. Gridiron Weekly. You're listening to L.A. Gridiron Weekly. It's what you wanted, a show completely dedicated to football. Every Saturday on 710 ESPN from 9 to 11 a.m. Let's get Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. Oh, man, special thanks again to Gilbert Manzano at GManzano24 on Twitter. Uh, man, uh, great information there on the Chargers and what's going on. And look, pick 13. For the Chargers, be interesting where they decide to go. But for me, another first-round pick coming to Los Angeles. Another, I guess, uh, young player that we can follow. And hopefully, if they have any bit of the season that Justin Herbert had last year as a rookie, uh, to be excited to see someone else to see at SoFi Stadium uh, who rocked it like Justin Herbert did a year ago. Man, we've had an unbelievable show today. Unbelievable show today. Didn't get a chance to get to most of your phone calls, but look, man, we are 
Uh, we are we're just trudging forward, man, trudging forward. And I love the community that we're able to uh, have here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. 877-710-ESPN is the phone number. 877-710-3776. And look, if you didn't get a chance to get that phone, uh, that, 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 that conversation, you can always tweet at me. Tweet at me throughout the week and I will answer your questions on air. I will make sure to answer your questions on air and give you all the insight that you need from around the National Football League. At Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram as well. Your your thoughts are always appreciated, and I will return You know a lot of those questions as well. Hashtag LAGW. But now, look, uh, you know, next couple weeks, um, I got some things lined up. Um, as you think, as we, we, I've been talking about the draft because it's here. It's approaching. It's, you know, right around the corner, if you ask me. So I got a couple of guests lined up next week. I can't wait to hear from as well. Guys who experienced the NFL draft and a guy who's currently going through the process of the NFL draft right now. So I'm going to tease that. I'm going to hold that for next week. A, a young guy uh, in the L.A. area getting ready for the NFL draft and kind of hear his story. And, you know, hopefully he's uh, he's drafted um, early <laughs> rather than later. But we'll get his story next week, one week before the draft or a couple of days before the draft, I should say, uh, for our show next week. But any other things uh, or other things that I was kind of going through for news and notes this week around the National Football League, I think just, um, again, just thinking about uh, not just a draft, but, you know, some thoughts that Sean McVay had this week. Uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier in the show uh, about the quarterbacks and uh, coming out in this draft. We're going to see three in the top three picks, and one of them will be uh, with the 49ers. And Sean McVay this week, he had a chance to go on a couple of radio shows. I believe it was the Rich Eisen show. And he talked about how it's no fun in the pool of the NFC West, meaning that it's some deep, deep waters in the NFC West because it is. It is one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. I think it's the hardest division. I say the just because of the talent at quarterback, the coaches, the minds. I mean, McVay. Shanahan, all right, do you cling Kingsbury? We all know Pete Carroll from his days at USC. Some outstanding coaches. And so each year it's going to be rough. It is going to be one of the toughest divisions all the way each year in football. If you kind of reverse it and look at the AFC West, you know, the, the division in which the Chargers sit in right now currently, yeah, uh, right now it just seems that there's the Kansas City Chiefs, and then there's the rest of the division, right? Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, no in particular order. But right now with Patrick Mahomes, the way that he is right now, uh, the best quarterback, I think, in the NFL, um, just the way they've constructed their roster, yes, it's going to be tough to win that division. But how is the rest of the division, right? How is the rest of the division? Chargers? I think they've made uh, tremendous strides from last year to this year in terms of personnel. And they bring in, uh, you know, the mind of Brandon Staley, who, you know, last segment, Gilbert Manzano talked about it a little bit that, you know, it's a different voice, a different name, but he brings the same intensity and he brings a no nonsense attitude. He's been, he's up, he's, he's up front. He'll tell you like what's going on. 
Like, we need a left tackle. Like, man, you can't win this league without left tackle. You got to be able to guard people. We need corners. Like, I mean, that's what I love to hear from a head coach. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't tell me something different. Tell me what's real. And I always respect that. But it's a tough division that the Chargers are in. And we want to see how much, you know, uh, how much ground they've made up, I should say. Same thing with Denver Broncos, who are also in that same division. Uh, could they be drafting another quarterback? That's always, I think, something that you have to keep an eye on each um, and every year of the talent entering the division. Where do we need to upgrade? But also where we can definitely see ourselves making some ground, right? And I think that's where the uh, the AFC West and the NFC West, two divisions that, look, I, I love watching. I played in the AFC West, so I know how difficult it can be. But right now, I just think the quarterbacks in, in these divisions right now, NFC West, by far uh, the best, um, and I think, in the National Football League. So there's so much that I can't wait to get to as well. And look, in a couple of weeks, we will have that NFL draft. We'll have an NFL draft special coming up as well. We'll be doing some daytime uh, day of the draft, round one, day of the draft on round two. I we'll have a special in the morning. I can't wait as we just announced that here on 710 ESPN where we're going to get you ready for the first round of the NFL draft. Some of those names that you may hear, uh, some of the people locally. I told you before that we will definitely highlight from UCLA, USC. A lot of these uh, guys will hear their name over that draft weekend. So a lot of that will be uh, coming up pretty soon. And I'm excited uh, to hear from a lot of those players as uh, hopefully they will get drafted. But comes that part, that time in the show, it's time for that two-minute drill. It's time for the two-minute drill on LA Gridiron Weekly. So now, look, hey, great show that we just had. You know, look, special thanks again to Lindsay Theory, Rams beat reporter for ESPN. Always a special thank you as well. To my guy, Maurice Jones-Drew. All right, the Rams color analyst. You can see him on the NFL Network. And Gilbert Manzano. He is the Chargers beat reporter for the LA Daily News. Uh, OC Register, SoCal News Group. Outstanding information this week. Next week, we will have, again, another jam-packed show. A ton of guests, but more. Your phone calls as well. Getting all the information. Anything that you want to hear. Anything that you want to know. Anything that you want to talk about. Again, this is our safe place. Our safe place is here every Saturday on LA Gridiron Weekly, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., where we're going to get into even more depths of not only these rosters in Los Angeles, but rosters around the league. And look, I am always well aware of Los Angeles being not just Rams, not just Chargers, or not just even Raiders, but there's a lot of people from all over. I've got friends who are Eagles fans, I got friends who are Ravens fans. Beals fans, right? 49ers fans, obviously, people from the NorCal living down here in Los Angeles. Yes, I understand that. But this is also a place for you to get your questions answered, to get all the thoughts that you have throughout the week, or just understand you need some clarification on NFL news. That's what we are all here for. So I'm excited for that. Excited to share this space with you as always. Just remember, on Twitter, at Kirk. Morrison on Instagram at Kirk Morrison. Our number as always 877-710-ESPN 877-710-3776 Keep that number always in the back of your mind and if you hear something, you need to call me out, call me out. Go ahead and do it. It's fine because this is our time to talk our time every Saturday 9am to 11am following Dr. Clapper. 
man, another great showdown. I can't wait to next week, everybody. For my guy, Steve Pallette on the board, man. Appreciate it as always. I'm Kirk Morrison, and this has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.